Since 1973, Tattoo Charlie's has been an established body modification studio in Kentucky. Featuring world-renowned artists and piercers, currently with locations on Preston Highway and in Lexington. A staple point in the tattoo community. Learn more at TattooCharlie's.com. Set up your appointment today at 7904 Preston Highway. Our tattoos are done while you wait. Hey, are you all in a band? Do you need merch for shows? By now I'm sure you've seen all the Metal Forge patches that are available, along with many more. Well, the printer I use for those is UKR Patcher. Check them out on Facebook and Etsy. They do awesome custom work and for extremely affordable prices for any band budget. Check them out, UKR Patcher on Facebook and Etsy. Hey everyone, do you play tabletop games like D&D and Pathfinder? Well, hit up Eric at Imagination Studios. Uh, they do custom printing for all your minis for gameplay. Don't forget, they're a licensed Reaper, Artisan Guild, and more printer and dealer. Hit up ImaginationStudios502.com for more info. That's ImaginationStudios502.com. E-M-A-G-I-N-A-T-I-O-N, Studios502.com. Presents Metal Fest Night, the Jeremy Wade No Cancer Fighting Weekend. 30 bands, two stages, two hellacious days. $15 per night or $25 for the weekend includes fishing and camping. Metal Fest Night, sponsored by Imperial Tattoos, the Bill TV Network, Dark Star TV, and Mike Taylor Sound. Hosted by Metal Forge Radio with special guest Cold Steel Rail, Shovelhead, You're the Gun, Two Pump Jump, Cross Joint, Overload, Juke Joint Revival, Fudge Knuckle, and SWP, Dustin Swagger, Nightshade, Celestial Serpent, Nothing's Wrong, Hidden Solace, Call Me Monster. Devil be my judge. Bastard sons of a Judas goat. Automalized Barry. Eat flat. Until the dead walk. Creature of exile. Eulogy of blood. Brainshaw. Metal Fest 9. At the Boondocks Event Center. Bringing havoc back to the farm. Friday, July 24th. Saturday, July 25th. In Shepherdsville, Kentucky. For more information, check it out on Facebook, Metal Fest 9, the Jeremy Wayne No Cancer Fighting Weekend. for tuning into the Metal Forge. I am Mark Jackson and I am your host. The premise of the show is pretty simple. Awesome interviews and awesome music. If you want to contact me, hit me up at metalforgeradio at gmail.com or visit the website metalforgeradio.com. And now, let's get this show on the road. 
What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? It is Friday, July 24th, and I'm your host, Mark Jackson. Welcome to the Metal Forge. Uh, thank you all for tuning in today. Uh, here in just a few short hours, I will be at Metal Fest 9 in Shepherdsville, Kentucky at the Boondocks Event Center uh, at 3850 Beach Grove Road. Uh, if you're in the area, come on out. Uh, they are temperature checking. They are uh, requiring masks and social distancing, but it's going to be an awesome metal show for the ages. If you're in the area, I hope you all come out and check it out. So, uh, in other news, uh, Metal Forge alumni, the Stonecutters, were recently featured on Metal Injection for their new track, The Absurdist. So, go onto their SoundCloud page and check out the new song or on their, you know, their Spotify account and so on and so forth. Uh, it's awesome stuff. Love those guys. I hope you all like it as well. Um... Uh, but yeah, you know, I also want to give a shout out to a new Patreon subscriber, Mallory Wright. Thank you so much for subscribing this week. It's awesome. I appreciate you so much. Uh, and if you want to be a Patreon subscriber, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash metalforgeradio. There's uh, several different tiers there. There's a dollar tier that's the down and dirty tier. You know, the, the typical supporter, $5, so on and so forth. Every single little bit helps keep this show going and it goes right back into the show i make no money from this i don't make any money off of streaming nothing i do this because i love to do this so every little bit that comes in from the patreon page goes back into the show whether it's to buy uh, a new set of headphones have uh, bandwidth you know to pay for that uh hosting through soundcloud on because if you don't pay for it they don't put out this much uh, or it pays rights fees. That's a big thing these days that you have to do as well. So yeah, patreon.com slash metalforgeradio. I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. And you, you not only do you get stuff in the tier, you also get access to the episode usually two days beforehand. Usually the they'll go up on the Wednesday. So fuck yeah. I love you guys. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. Again, uh, I can't stress that enough because we are the one and the only metal forge the metal forge with mark jackson you know uh, signed sealed delivered bam every friday high noon for all you gunslingers out there i have wraith coming on today i'm going to be asking them about their new split with bastardizer that just recently has come out along with the quarantine sessions index case that uh, was done over uh, quarantine for COVID-19 and they have a full length that came out in 2019 called absolute power and how about we listen to absolute power here it is the title track from the album this is wraith absolute power on one the only the metal forge check it Burning, burning, or absolute power Straight beyond reason, the weak I devour Decisions I made, and let me to hear To sit on my throne, and rule with fear Absolute power Yeah. 
What's going on, everybody? I'm being joined on the phone right now with the gentleman from Wraith, Northern Indiana's Wraith. Uh, how are you guys doing today? Good. Doing just doing fine, Mark. Yeah, doing great. Uh, so tell everybody who's here. Uh, Matt, guitars and vocals. Mike, drums. And Chris, bass. Awesome. Power trio. I love it. Uh, I've always been under the under the assumption that you really don't have to have more than a more than a trio of musicians. It worked for Motorhead. It works for me. Works for Rush. Works for me. <laughs> so I think we probably applied that same mindset for <laughs> the years we've been doing this. It seems like we've tried some other members here and there, and it doesn't always pan out. Definitely, uh, I've been there, done that. So tell everybody about Wraith. Tell, uh, give us a, a general rundown of where you started, so on and so forth. Uh, well, I actually started kind of as like a, I was trying to do a one-man band situation because I was in some bands. I guess I've always been in bands since I was 12 or 13, and I kind of hit a lull for a couple of years where I wasn't really doing much music, and it was truthfully kind of driving me nuts. So um, at the time, Mike lived in Florida, and... Me and him were in a band previously for you know quite a few years together, and I think we're almost always on the same page when it comes to music. And I remember I wrote some demo songs, and I was kind of sending him the riffs and sending him you know song ideas that I had recorded in my apartment, and he he thought it was awesome, and he was considering moving back. Uh, and at the time, I didn't really have plans to do much with it, but he ended up coming back. I asked if he would just record the drums for the kind of first wave, which is four songs off the first record. Um, we recorded them, I put it out, Mike liked it, obviously we like jamming together, so we decided he would just, you know, join the band, we had a buddy that was playing bass for us at the time that was kind of into, like, pop punk and punk stuff, um, maybe not as, like, passionate about thrash metal or the music necessarily, but he was doing it for a while, we wrote the rest of the first record, uh, we were about to play a show at the Barookers in Chicago, and he quit, <laughs> so... Kind of last minute, had to ask Chris if he would, at that point, just join in to fill because we didn't want to drop off the Brugger show. That was a big opportunity for us. I've known Chris since, I think he was probably 14 or 15, and I was 16. Went to high school together, both big metalheads, you know, spent many nights, you know, in his garage listening to Metallica records and, you know, playing guitar and stuff. So he learned, I mean, honestly learned all the songs we had at the time, which was probably eight or nine songs. Over the course of a week or so, played the Brooker show, and he's been with us ever since. It's kind of that that base right there has just been us three and our thing. So it's more or less how we got together. Definitely, uh, it's one of those things where it's like it you found the formula. Yeah, I would say for sure. Definitely doesn't. The, the best part is it never feels like work to any of us, which is I think the dream. You know, I I, I never understood the expression if. if You'll never work a day in your life if you love what you do. And I always thought that that had to apply to, like, actual jobs. But <laughs> this is, I think, as close to that as I'm going to get. Right. It, it, it applies, I think, to anything in your life. You know, if you like, you know, if you like sewing, it, it doesn't feel like work to you. You know, if it, you know, whatever quote, you know, air quotes here, uh, hobby um, you do, you know. If it, whether yeah, you make sure. whether you make money off of it or not, I think that's I think that's the the concept, you know. Yeah, definitely. Which is awesome. Um, 
I'm looking here on your all's Bandcamp page, and it looks like you all have got it's. Uh, I see the first album, and then uh, there's a few other releases. There it looks like uh, Heed the Warning. Yep, that was our second record. And uh, Absolute Power. Yep, that was uh, the third one we did. And which I have that one, and it's fucking awesome. <laughs> Thank you, man. Yeah, I feel like that really is kind of was the turning point for us. People seem to really like that record. I'm, I feel like a lot of times you hear people ask, like, if you if we didn't necessarily feel like we were on to anything super special when we were doing it, but I think our our approach always is we just want to be better than the last one. You know, we're we're gonna try to do what we can do to make songs we think are cool um, without rehashing the same stuff record to record. Definitely. And, you know, I keep wanting to like, like to purchase the actual copy, you know, but it's like, it's always, it's always sold out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which well, is totally I mean, cool. I'm disappointed you can't get one. Uh, but I think for us, that's kind of the name of the game. Yeah. There's definitely talks about it being repressed and we just got uh, some reissue CDs with the index KCP on it. So, if you're a CD person, well, I think we have some available, but the record, I think, is coming. You know, we've been working with the label. I think the COVID thing kind of put this, a stop on a lot of the manufacturing, but, I mean, it, we were we were probably within a week or two away from getting the repress done when the whole thing happened, so it's coming. Uh, we just don't really know when yet. Definitely. And it looks like here you all have a split with Bastardizer called Speed Armageddon. Yeah, we just put that out. How long ago, Chris? Or like it's three but, weeks ago now. I think yeah. it was June 22nd. And that yeah. came out on Chris's record label. He's got a record label called Bone Pick Records, and, and he actually put that split out for us. Nice. Hell yeah. So y'all have got the you've got the market cornered on on material. Uh, so with having that many releases, uh, how do you all actually get together and write? Um, I mean, like I said, like we're all, I mean we're all like. I think kind of buds first. So we spend a lot of time hanging out anyway. And I think when us three are together, it's almost always we're talking about Wraith or music or riffs. But uh, the, I think the coolest part about Wraith is that all three of us are pretty proficient guitar players. We all write riffs all the time. You know, we have a group chat going and we're, I think probably every day somebody's sending something. So I think what we do is we typically just kind of stockpile those riffs and save them. And then as we, we practice every week and, when we get together, we'll talk about riffs that we've sent each other recently or maybe old ones that we thought were cool that we want to rehash, and we'll just kind of start from whatever the initial idea was and build off there. I think as soon as one of us hears it, it's almost always gets the kind of creative juices flowing, and, and once we play it once through, typically somebody will pick up what comes next, whether it's you know Chris's riff and I write something after or Mike brought it to the table and Chris writes something after. We definitely you know, use that as a kickoff point, And then from there, typically within a practice or two, we have a song. Right on. That's, that's killer. Uh, Cause so many people these days have, you know, it's nice to, to find bands where you're all centralized and you, you are together for the most part, because there's so many bands out there today that are total online that they will, they'll have a member that lives in Chicago or, and a member that lives in, uh, Pittsburgh and a member that lives in Phoenix and they will all get together and, and might tour for a month or two out of the year, but end up writing most of their stuff through email and so on and so forth. Yeah. So there was a point where I actually lived in Chicago up until recently. Um, this is Mike speaking, by the way, but um, it didn't, truthfully, it didn't really hinder us from anything, mainly because Chicago is really a hop, skip and a jump away from these guys where they were at. So 
I would come over to Matt's place in Indiana. Wednesdays was kind of our typical practice day. And like I said, uh, other than that, we kind of do the same thing. I'd record little stuff in my apartment in Chicago, send it their way, and then, you know, every Wednesday we'd be able to collaborate on it. It was always a pretty seamless process from, uh, you know, Chris or Matt kind of throwing their two cents into the riff, and then, you know, next thing you know, Matt's got lyrics whipped up. Next thing you know, we got a song, and we're, we're looking to head to the studio, especially for the recent split we did. It's kind of like it all happened so fast, but realistically with our – with the way our writing process works, that's usually how things go. Definitely. Um, so with all of the material that you have and the new material coming forward, do you assign working titles to things? And and if so, what's some of the craziest ones you've ever you've ever given? I think uh, this isn't gonna this isn't gonna be very cool. But typically, I have like a whole list of song titles is saved in my phone. And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just like my kind of compulsive OCD personality. But once we have more or less the structure of a song down, I typically assign that song a title because as we're writing it, it works better for me to get like the mood of the song and the feel. And by the time the music is done, if I have a title already, I can usually whip up lyrics pretty quickly. So I think I'm we're usually naming the songs before they're actually songs with whatever the title ends up being on the record. Um I mean, every once in a while, we'll, we'll reference, like, riffs as, like, that Aiden riff or let's play the Kill em All riff. But uh, songs, I mean, I'm usually kind of on it with writing titles, and, and I love writing lyrics. This is the first band I've ever been a frontman in, or a lyricist for that matter, but uh, I'm still adjusting to playing guitar and singing, but I love writing lyrics, so I usually am pretty eager to get going on that. I like it just as much as I like writing the music. Definitely. Uh, I think it's, to me, it's one of those things where it's just like you either get uh bands that come up with really off the walls uh names yeah. or you do like that um very yeah. rarely do you get somebody that does both and i can totally relate to the uh uh to both of those camps i guess because i've done both I've been in bands yeah. where i've done both yeah right yeah on. i try to try to just set set the tone right off the bat definitely which is awesome and, you know, looking through, like, some of the names of things, it, you know, just even, like, Speed Armageddon, it, you know, stuff like that. Just the name of the album, or the, the split, rather. You know, that's just awesome. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, hey, Chris came up with Speed Armageddon, but I feel like that's a really fitting title for that release. I mean, Bastardizer, from their end of the equator, does, you know, kind of a similar thing as us. It's all about the attitude and... For us, I think it's about delivery, and I think that Speed Armageddon honestly kind of sums that those five songs up pretty pretty clearly. Right. So if you could have written a song or an album from somebody else, what would it be? Kill them all. Yeah, for sure, kill them all. Are we going for I feel three? like Matt and Chris were, were super quick. I wouldn't necessarily jump to that. It's definitely up there, but I, I don't know if I could really pinpoint it because I feel like I don't want to get all philosophical, but I feel like a lot of my influences come from a lot of different places. So, you know, I grew up on a lot of punk rock and a lot of metal, too. And honestly, a lot of other silliness like Frankie Valley and the Four Scenes and stupid shit that was kind of passed down from my dad and stuff like that. So I don't know if I can necessarily pinpoint it, but, you know, those those kind of big name thrash metal albums are up there for me. Kill them all. Um, I don't know. I'm going to just kind of bow out on this one. As far <laughs> That's as fine. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
yeah, there when you have such a wide range of influence, it is kind of hard to pick something like that because you it could be anything. I could, you know, I would love to have written Stand by Me or you know, Killing is my business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I totally get that. Um so why music? Oh man, that's a tough question. Uh, Talking about philosophy. Yeah, where it's about to get real deep. <laughs> right. No, I think, uh, dude, for me, it's just always, it always has felt right. Like, I really can't explain it. I don't know. There's, I've never felt like the level of satisfaction I get playing and writing and performing and thinking about and listening to and designing stuff music related. I've never gotten that satisfaction from anything else. So, I mean, to me, it just is like ingrained in my DNA. I, I mean, I don't come from a musical family necessarily. My parents don't play many music. My sister is, isn't musical, but um, I've always been around music. My dad's always loved music. He's always played a lot of the classic 60s and 70s rock stuff and, you know, kind of showed me a bunch when I was growing up. But as soon as I, I just, I knew that I couldn't replicate the feeling doing anything else. So to me, it just kind of, I always felt like that was what I was going to try to chase. I'm sure these guys probably have a similar experience. Yeah, and there's nothing better than just having two buds that, you know, you're best friends with, you know, chilling. <laughs> Chilling and Absolutely. making music. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I think it's even kind of expanding on outside of even playing music, but I would, I'm willing to bet that like every acquaintance or friend that I've had, um, kind of like in my days, I can relate to some kind of, some kind of music with them. Like it's almost like, there's always a common ground. That's why I've said that my kind of upbringing with music was so diverse that I've kind of used that to kind of, you know, mingle with, with people and kind of like become on their level, whether it be hip hop or metal or, you know, whatever it may be. It, it, there's always some kind of common ground. It's so diverse. You can always, you can pop it on in the car. You can pop it on at home. You know, you can hear it out in the streets. And I don't know, it's, it's kind of always there for you when you need it, as lame as that sounds. Uh, not lame. Uh, I could, yeah, I can relate to it. So what inspires you to write music? Uh, I don't know, man. I think just the, the world around us, probably like where we're from, what we've experienced growing up, you know, the things that are, are kind of like the breaking news stuff. Like, you know, index case was, was 100% influenced by the COVID-19 situation and the quarantine aspect and just the isolation being alone. Um, but I mean, if you, I, I could probably tell you what the inspiration was for every song if, if we just went down the list. I think it always varies, but kind of like Mike said about it always being there for you. Like for me, it's always there as a way to deal with whatever's going on, whether it's something good, something bad, you know, happy, sad. I mean, you can always take that emotion and kind of bottle it into a song. And then I think when I hear the song, it always reminds me of that. Same thing for other people's music. When I hear certain Metallica songs or certain Megadeth songs, or certain punk rock songs, it puts me in a time and place. And I can kind of relive that experience, good or bad, you know. I'm looking, like I said, I was been, I've been on the Bandcamp page looking at stuff. Uh, who does your artwork? Uh, is it any of you in particular? Because you know, from even from the first album to the the split currently, you have amazing artwork. Thank you. Yeah. So um, I always, I think I've said this in maybe a couple of interviews too, but I always brag about how talented my friends are. Man, I feel like. You know, like we're doing the Ray thing, me, Mike, and Chris. But like at any point, if we're at a party or like people are coming over, I could brag about 
every one of my friends and they're kind of like wh whatever method they choose to express themselves in. So uh, the first first original Wraith release was drawn by our friend Felix Roman, who does most of our tattoos, really. Uh, and then Heed the Warning was drawn. It was inspired by a tattoo of a wizard that I have on my bicep, but uh, my friend Andy did that tattoo and then kind of rehashed that artwork to put on uh, Heed the Warning's album cover. Um, and then I think, you know, Absolute Power and some of the other releases were, were contracted by some other folks, but I'll let Chris kind of jump in and take over that. Yeah, um, for Absolute Power and then uh, Speed Armageddon, we found a guy on, uh, two guys on Instagram that uh, we just dug their artwork. And uh, I think both were from the Philippines or Indonesia. Oh, wow. So, yeah, a couple cool guys that we got in contact with. And, uh, yeah, they were able to give us something cool. Right on. They're vastly different covers, but both strikingly, you know, strikingly awesome. Yeah, I think one of the things, I mean, like when I, at this point, when I kind of browse Spotify and check out our catalog, it is, they, they are all very different. And I think that maybe it doesn't necessarily follow suit with the black and thrash or, you know, kind of like the black and roll style that we play. But uh, I mean, to me, the, the cover is just as important as the music. And I feel like it really does need to be a reflection of what those songs are. Um, maybe it's deceiving for people who don't know us, but I think as soon as people start to listen to it, I, I feel like they're all very fitting, um, you know, representations of the music that's in the, on those records. Absolutely. I can, I can go with that. Do you listen to yourselves musically? Hell yes. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> I feel like that we strive to write music we like. So I, I will shamelessly say that I like great songs. <laughs> and if I, if I pop it on, I mean, obviously, when you're writing it and recording it, you get a little sick of it. But, I mean, I find myself putting on the first album sometimes. Now, at this point, it's four or five years old, and I think the song's badass, but I'm probably biased. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's, uh, I think you, you, you hit it on the head there. You're writing music that you like to hear. Yeah, and I, I think, think, I think without kind of like sounding borderline cocky, I mean, that's, that's kind of the whole, not the whole point necessarily, but I mean, we're expressing ourselves and like relating to the music that we like by doing it ourselves, you know, and we kind of have found that ah, natural talent. I don't want to sound like a cocky idiot, <laughs> but it's like, by no means are we like super talented musicians. I think that's what got a disclaimer. A lot of our stuff is power chords, palm muting and fast drums. But like, realistically, we write the song because we want to hear them. And I, I don't think it's, necessarily a bad thing to say that we listen to him after the fact and say hey you know what we made this a pretty bad ass yeah and how am i gonna tell someone else to listen to our music you know if i don't enjoy it <laughs> right yeah i wrote some shitty songs go, go listen to it right <laughs> anybody that says they don't listen to the music is lying yeah well i, I think I, it, I think it falls under i think it falls under a couple of different things with that whether they don't listen to it is one thing. Uh, whether it's based on critique, I think, is a big factor in it. Because I know there's a, a lot of people that say they don't listen to it because all they do is spot what they could have done better. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say, like, we've learned a lot, I think, as we've recorded some records. So the first release was super straightforward. And honestly, like, you know, if, if there's some people that have probably been a fan of Ray from day one and they have heard those songs and then seen us play them live, you know, we don't, we don't do them the same way, uh, which is something we are pretty conscious of. We'll talk about it after the fact, you know, like, you know, we, we do some different stuff in Dogs of War off the first record when we play it live or in practice that just kind of evolved from us playing the song so many times. Um, 
I think that's probably one of the downfalls of putting out music so frequently is you don't we don't really ever get a ton of time to sit on it because uh, we usually write it and then record it and release it and then play them, you know, after the fact and learn how we get tweak it. But I think I hear songs now and I wouldn't say that they're criticisms necessarily, but I feel like I hear it. And I always think like, oh, it would be badass if we would have like doubled that part, or yeah. we would have put a lead part there, or choked that little symbol thing. Like, but that's just natural. I mean, it's it's, it's going to happen. Yeah, no matter like, yeah. how long you sit on the song, I feel like. Yeah, especially because you are your own worst critic when it comes to something creative. You know, I'm sure people see their their paintings and want to change colors and you know stuff like that. Definitely. And I mean, you know, throwing out the Metallica thing here. Um, they don't play things live the same way they played them in the studio <laughs> on a lot of stuff. So I get that. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Four, like, four like, horsemen in questions. particular. Yeah, <laughs> right. And I think, like, you know, as we play songs, our tastes kind of have evolved too. So there's songs on the first record that wouldn't sound that way on the fifth record. But uh, it's just all, it's a timestamp. That's one of the, another really cool thing about music. Like I was saying earlier, it definitely captures, you know, a feeling and a time and a period. and I would say, like, for as much as I potentially hear things I could change on the first record, I don't think I would change it because then right. it wouldn't be record, you know. And it, it's special in its own way. It doesn't, I mean, it's far from a perfect release, but uh, without that, that was kind of our stepping stone. You know, we would probably not have absolute power if we spent, you know, two years making sure that first record was perfect. And we, we kind of live and die by the sword in that regard, I guess. We we just we do it because we like it, and we hope everybody likes it the way it is. And if it, you know, potentially seems like there could be a change. We typically just do it live. We don't stew too long in the recording process on it. Understandable. And I think that's one of those things, too, where uh, I think it's natural progression of being a musician uh, slash artist is you can't have this without having this first. Right. Yeah. It's got to happen. Uh, I always equate it to you couldn't have jumped from Master of Puppets to the Black Album. Yeah, there had to be justice in there. And that might, you know, in my thought process, and that applies with anybody, you know, you couldn't have had such and such without this first because it makes to watch somebody grow as a musician and yourself in particular, watching yourself grow that way. Right. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I want to live in a world with no justice, that's for sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> Definitely, <laughs> yeah, especially especially these days. Um, so, kind of hit on the live aspect here. Uh, if you could have played any concert from, uh, like any major event concert from days gone past, what would it be? Oh man, that's a tough one. Uh, I don't know. What do you guys think? I don't necessarily play, but I'd like to be at like Seattle. You know the oh, big. Yeah. Oh, this, I don't even know. I don't know if this is necessarily my, like, final answer, but what was that show where Metallica, is there, like, a DVD where Metallica plays at the Metro? Oh, yeah, no, 83. Yeah, yeah. we can open for that. Yeah, 83 Metallica Metallica (laughs) in Chicago, like, our, I wouldn't say hometown, but it's, you know, the big city era. Right. And the Metro is, like, a venue that I grew up going to, like, bigger band shows at. I think that would be cool because it's still got that, like, homey vibe to me. But people are just going berserk, and it's 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 really kind of close quarters, and you really feel the energy in there. I think that that's more up my alley necessarily than playing like Moscow, like that <laughs> fucking Pantera. What is that? Yeah, the, mon- the monsters of yeah. rock. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think I'm with Mike on this one. I, I think 80, open for Metallica at the '83 Metro show. 
Yeah, which is uh, the Cliff Amal DVD. Yeah. 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 Uh, absolutely. I always, you know, I see that and I'm like, James hands out the vinyl copy of Kill 'Em All because yeah, they had yeah, just right. they, they had just got it. Yeah. And it's, it. yeah, and it's like they hand he hands it out into the crowd and everybody's just like grasping at it and it's like I wonder if that guy or girl or whoever has that. I wonder if they still it, have it. Yeah, they're <laughs> he, still in existence. He makes he makes some comments about killing all the posers or something like that too as as he's doing it. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, they were the real deal, man, that's for sure. I want to try to do that now with like a CD and like nobody tries to go for it. I've been to shows where I've seen bands throw out a t-shirt and it hit the floor. <laughs> yeah, man, I don't know. I'm, not, I'm not that bold. I think I'm, you could buy it if you want it afterwards, but I'm not going to know we want it. It's it right. funny though because I guess on the opposite side of the spectrum, we've had plenty of people buy stuff online and they they want it signed and they want this and they want that and they want our underwear and all this crap, but. Yeah, I'm in with Matt there. I don't think we'd be bold enough to yeah. swing one out of the stage, assuming everyone's going to be dying for it. Oh, I know. Yeah, it's it's rough. I've seen it, and it's like, ouch. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Uh, do you have a favorite venue or city that you like to play? I don't know about favorite venue, but we just played Indy earlier this year. I think it was, what was it called? Probably our last show. It was literally a brewery, a Black Circle Brewery. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, It was awesome. It was awesome. They packed, you know, people came in with Rage shirts and Rave hats and treated us well. That That's awesome. I mean, we've also played uh, Minneapolis a couple times, and that's always a really good time. I think for us, it was like a culture shock because people up there really genuinely care about the scene, and it's not necessarily about who's playing. It's just the fact that somebody's playing. So there was a lot of support there. Uh, recently, we saw that the venue we played there a few times was burned in some of those riots, and that was a little disheartening. But that was called the Hexagon. It was a really, really cool venue. We played there a handful of times. Wow. Um, so I, I, I would definitely go back to Minneapolis. Yeah. Midwestern hospitality, I guess. Definitely. It's, it's going to be extremely interesting how things are going to play out once uh... – once quarantining is over and uh, we're going to be able to start going back to uh, indoor shows again when, when, uh, you know, when all this stuff is over, because how many venues have we seen that have closed that we like, that we like to play at, you know? Oh yeah. hundred percent. I mean, I've honestly been trying not to think about it too much because I don't want to, on myself out <laughs> so i think we're just focusing on you know doing what we can do to still create new content you know make merchandise and music and stuff but yeah that's something that we're gonna have to i mean we had some really really cool shows lined up this year and they yeah, some big yeah, fests yeah <laughs> not gonna happen so i'm eager to get back to playing but obviously i want to make sure that it's safe and it makes sense there's no real rush we'll keep doing our thing you know we'll keep making music and when the time is right i think we'll definitely get back to playing absolutely and i think that's um a trial for the time as it were because you know if this was 20 years ago or 30 years ago at this point and something like this had happened there would be so many bands that had that would just drop off because of not knowing the uh the climate of what's going to happen but now with the internet and everybody being home and you can do everything nobody has to necessarily go away Right, because there, there's a lot of, I think a couple people requested we do like a live stream thing, like 
we just kind of record a practice or something even and people have all that information right at their fingertips and I always bring this up with the guys it's it's crazy to me that we've done what we have done with mainly an internet presence I mean we've when you think about it we've only played Illinois Indiana and Minnesota so we've never even really ventured out of three surrounding states right uh, I know you all were supposed to be playing at uh, for uh, Randy up in uh, Wisconsin this year. Yeah, I saw that was Metal Fest or uh, Blades of Steel. Yeah. Blades of Steel, that's right. And yeah, um, I saw that that might be pushed out till next year. Or, yeah, or it might be canceled all you know outright. I, but I hope it. I hope it actually happens again. I hope it happens uh, because there were so many awesome bands that that were being. On those, Dude, yeah. on those two, on those two shows. Yeah, for us, I think the, the coolest thing about being in, in a band is we're also big fans of music, and I, a lot of times, like especially recently, as we kind of increased in popularity, the opportunities we've had, like we we were booked to play with, we had a sold out show at Reggie's in Chicago with Violence. Oh yeah, like, I was going to go to that. Yeah, tell me that if you're in a thrash metal band, that's not the ultimate opportunity. I mean, that is happening in 2021. And hopefully we'll have some new music by then, which is really cool. But yeah, I mean, Toxic was going to play Blades of Steel. There's just all these opportunities to kind of mingle and meet and be on the same level as some of the people that, you know, I looked up to when I was 16, 17 years old. So I'm excited to get back to playing shows, I think. And, and the more music we have to play for people, I think the better it's going to be. Absolutely. I agree with that. So let's get into the uh, the general questions here that I like to ask people. Sure. And this is all about, you know, you three guys, because we're all people. You know, no matter no matter what at this point. Uh, do you have a favorite film? My my favorite film is Pulp Fiction, but I'm sure that's probably a pretty common answer. It, among among metal people, it usually is Nine of the Living Dead and Pulp Fiction. Yeah, that makes <laughs> so can't, yeah. can't beat a good story, right? That right? Yeah. My favorite movies are like spaghetti westerns, so like I'm really big into like the good, the bad, the ugly, a few dollars more. Absolutely. Like that. Uh rest in peace in Enio. Yep. Yeah. Just recently Mike, passed away. Mike has a different taste in movies altogether, so yeah. we're gonna let him rattle off a couple of his uh, favorites. All right. <laughs> so scary movie two. Yeah, you know what? I shouldn't start with that one. I think my all time favorite is Billy Madison. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, I, I don't know, it's just kind of shaped like my, I don't even know. Once again, I don't like getting too deep about this shit, because realistically, it's just a dumb movie, but like, I feel like I've gotten like a sense of humor from it, it's connected me to a lot of people, it's kind of given me my like, not free-spirited personality, but it just kind of, you know, take, set, take, the tone. set the tone, I kind of take the edge off all the time, try to calm people down, just kind of be a little goofy here and there, but yeah, the, Adam Sandler, his early comedies, Happy Gilmore. That shit is all hilarious to me, even even now. And nobody put you up to saying that, did they? No, no sir. No. The only reason I, I the only it. reason I say that is because people have said that I look like Chris Farley in that movie. Are you <laughs> with, with, with the chops and and shit? And oh yeah, oh, yeah. You know. bus driver Chris Farley. Yes. <laughs> God, <laughs> no, they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what it'd be like. right, yeah. that's great uh, <laughs> do you have a favorite food pizza 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 or wings yeah, oh, yeah. Chris, is a, Chris is a wing boy but man pizza I could live <laughs> off 
we surveyed a hundred musicians and pizza was the number one answer. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. You can't beat it. And like, I don't, I don't mean to brag, but like we're, you know, we're from the Chicagoland area. Right. Stone's from the city itself. So I think we take our pizza pretty serious over here. Absolutely. And nothing, nothing like it. Nothing like it up there. Chicago mm-hmm. area has such good pizza. Absolutely. Yep. Deep dish all day. Um, do you have an ultimate jam? And by ultimate jam, I mean is the album or song that constantly, no matter what you're listening to, if it's on record, if it's on uh, MP3, if it's a tape deck, the mm. the one album or song that always comes back that you can listen to no matter what and never tire of. Dude, I think mine is Inside Looking Out by Grand Funk Railroad. If that song comes on, like... Anywhere at a bar, my Spotify playlist, like the radio. That's something that I, I absolutely die. I'll crank that song. Right on. Yeah, I'd have to go with like the entire record of Motorhead, uh, Overkill. Oh, speaking, speaking my language. There you go. <laughs> like limb from limb, I could live off of that song. <laughs> I think. Uh, the only song that's coming to mind, and I know there's a million songs that I can pop on and super pop their album, but like, uh, Danzig, Devil's Play thing, I always, uh, it, it kind of became like a running song where every, if we were at a bar or whatever, someone would, would play it on the touch tunes or the jukebox and like, we'd all just be going insane. So like, I don't know, I, I, I feel like that brings me back to like a certain time and kind of brings me back to the fall, which I love that season and it's just a heavy ass song, so. Just gets me super pumped up. Right on. Nothing wrong with uh, uh, Danzig or nothing like that. He's the he's recent in recent uh, internet years, you know, be- mm, yeah. become become the joke of the internet. Which yeah, but dude, you wouldn't fuck with like Danzig in nineteen ninety. Oh no, not at all. Oh no, um, no. <laughs> and you all actually cover a Misfits tune on Absolute Power. We do, yeah. We're all big Misfits fans. I think, my, my, I mean, for sure, me and Mike were definitely punk, punk kids first that became metalheads, so we still have a, a soft spot. I mean, there's been countless, you know, post-practice beers where we've cranked, you know, Black Flag, Misfits, Bad Religion, all that stuff, while we're sitting outside. Being a musician, there's always some bit of levity that comes with it, I think. Yeah. Uh People of certain age, I say that because I've got a, I've had younger people on the show who don't understand the question. Um, do you have any Spinal Tap moments that you like to share? <laughs> oh man, um, well at that Black Circle show, you know it was like that was kind of what, what, one of the you know there's lots of people that were there specifically to see us and they were excited and we mingled with people first and we were kind of feeling good. We went up there and like. 32 seconds into the intro song, the top string of my guitar broke, and I had to do the whole, you know, stop the show for a second, I'm going to swap guitars, you know, and you can't, hard to be tough when you're tuning up a new guitar after your, you know, top string broke, but luckily I haven't had too many terrible ones, but that was probably one of those things where I I really, it was pretty embarrassing. (laughs) I think Mike's Mike's got a good one. Yeah, so. So so does Chris, really. These guys, theirs are much better than mine. Who do we play with? It was it any like it was ringworm ringworm yeah uh we played with ringworm at a you know a semi decently popular venue in Chicago called Reggie's 
Um, we didn't play the actual bigger venue. We played like kind of the restaurant bar next door. But either way, it was a pretty pretty full house. And we were only what probably a couple minutes or songs into our yeah, set list. And my my bass drum pedal just smashed right through my bass head. And I, truthfully, my drum set's like six years old. I don't really pay t- much attention to my gear, so I essentially had to turn my kick drum around and use the resonance head on the other side for the rest of the show. <laughs> oh my god! And, uh, <laughs> and oh. that thing was like super loose. I didn't really make any adjustments to it. <laughs> Lord only knows how it sounded, but the guy, the guy, the sound guy saved it, man. He, he actually made it sound pretty good, but. That was pretty funny. Yeah, it was just blasted right through that. <laughs> you know, I've actually had that happen too, and it's when you hear that, it sounds like a sheet of paper. Yep. <laughs> when yeah. When yep. it smashes it, and it's like, yeah, just rips. Yeah. And you're just exactly. like, what? What the hell was that noise? <laughs> and then, yeah. and then you look down, the, and your your kick drum pedal is stuck inside. <laughs> right. <laughs> Any drummer I've ever seen is like mashing their foot to see what's going on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Chris is Chris has got a good. He's got a, a couple of stories about one particular place. Yeah, I got a, a venue that's uh, on my hit list. It's called the Cobra Lounge in Chicago, and I call it the Curse of the Cobra Lounge. We were playing with Whip Striker, who we are big fans of. Absolutely, I'm familiar with. Yeah, out of Brazil. I, yeah. I just had a band on recently that had done a uh, split with them. Oh, Black Knife? Yep. That would be yeah. them. <laughs> yeah, we're friends with them, too. But uh, so we started playing the show, and I'm like, God damn, we sound like shit. <laughs> like, the whole show. And then <laughs> comes out to the show, Matt comes out to me and goes, dude, you're out of tune the whole show. <laughs> you just played like a, like, a, like a half step too low the whole, the whole entire show. Oh, shit. Yeah. And yeah. then uh, there was another time that uh, same venue, same, right? same venue, my bridge just gave out. Saddles, the saddles just popped, popped right off. Up. Yeah, started flying everywhere. <laughs> so I couldn't stay in tune in that show either. So uh, yeah, Chris and the Cobra Lounge. I'll never go back. So what was the? Was there a reason for the first time, or was it just for the? Just uh, when I was out of tune. Yeah. Oh, I because I, I was drunk that night. Oh, so, ah, there, there we go. I went, I went to go get Matt's tuner. Yeah, Chris refused. For all, first of all, Chris refused to buy his own tuner for the first yeah. two and a half years. And I, still, <laughs> I still use Matt's tuner. He would always walk over to me and tune. So it's like, I mean, like I have a little stump box, you know, cord tuner. So, so it's I'm not a, like he could walk over to me mid set and tune it up. But I yeah. never, I never admitted this part. But uh, when we were upstairs in the green room. <laughs> I tuned my bass to standard. <laughs> there it is. And, uh, yeah, that's so, fine. so they they were in half step, oh. and I was pretty standard. So oh wow, because you know I, things get bumped, uh, yeah. knobs get bumped, jostled around. If it was a, I could understand if it was one of the deals where like the tuner got changed from. I wish I wish we could say that. <laughs> <laughs> It was op- operator error 100%. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I'm going to blame it on the booze. <laughs> yeah, but it could have been the fact that I tuned this bass to standard. <laughs> uh, yeah. What, why, what, dude, why were you out of tune? It was Jack's fault. Jack who? Jack <laughs> yeah. Daniels. Oh, no, I was blaming it on the tuners itself. I was like, the tuners went loose. <laughs> <laughs> time, to get a new, time to get a new bass. I was like, I got to get a new bass. <laughs> nice. 
Because um. <laughs> even the Whip Striker dudes came up to us and they're yeah, like, dude, you guys so, are badass. So but, but your bass player was out of tune. <laughs> oh, man. The fact that they were able to like, spot it like Actually, that. yeah, it must have been. I See, I don't really remember because I can't hear shit behind the drum kit. So, I don't know. That's funny, though. Oh my gosh. Uh, what is your greatest achievement as musicians? Oh man, I, I think, um, I think like the release and reception of Absolute Power, I think that like is kind of for me like the defining moment. It's still a record that, like you said, you can't get a copy of it. And it seems like no matter what format or, or how many times we press it, it, it's gone. So that's probably what I'd hang my head on currently. I mean, you are pressing like, a thousand copies or more at a time. You're not like pressing like five, are you? No, I'm kidding. No, no, yeah, it's, 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 kidding. it's up there, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I kind of, I, I don't know. I guess I agree with Matt. I mean, just the the mere fact that people are continuously coming back for it, they're asking when we're repressing and this, this, and that, and it's like, wow, you know, we've sold what we have already, and there's still people out there who are coming back for more and. Even, you know, yesterday we posted some new shirts online and this one guy tagged like three of his buddies who just me being kind of a weirdo just kind of looked around and they're all from like different states. And then two out of the three people he tagged ended up buying a shirt. So it's like, I don't know, just like this word of mouth that we've kind of created just by our Chris is like the the social media king and he's gotten the word out there. And, you know, but without being kind of like those people who are you know, pushing it on people, it seems like people are genuinely interested in it. And I know there's been a couple of times um, I, I play like these stupid games on my phone, like, you know, just cell phone app games or whatever. And I was just, I was letting people know I, I joined kind of a clan with uh, people with similar music tastes. I told them to check out Wraith or whatever. And they were like, wait, you guys put out absolute power, right? And he's like, my buddy just showed me that like last week. And I'm like, what the fuck, you know? Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd say just the overall reception of the band, but probably specifically Absolute Power. Nice. Yeah, then I would probably just say Wraith as a whole. You know, I've <clears throat> I've never really been in a steady band before Wraith. So once I joined this one, it's just been, it's been awesome from day one. Awesome. Who's the, uh, I know y'all model your own, uh, merch for the most part right yeah we're a couple of hicks that model <laughs> yeah because yeah, i noticed y'all re- just released shorts too yeah maddie boy yeah yeah i see that it's, it's we're hey it's diy right we're yeah. taking that punk rock mentality hey yeah. you have to <laughs> Not even getting models, but they're selling, so I must have been doing something. Yeah, we did something, right? There's Definitely, which I wow. noticed. I've noticed already that the Absolute Power uh, limited edition patch is already gone, and it's so like many shirts. Yeah, What's that? Minutes. I think like thirty minutes. Those patches sold; they were gone. I mean, honestly, it was to the point where people were messaging us because like the carts were crashing. Oh my gosh! Well, yeah, man. Yeah, so we're thinking about redoing those, but. Maybe keeping them as a limited edition would probably be better. I think I think doing limited edition run of independent merch is awesome. Yeah, for sure. I, um, I'm actually in the process for doing that with my uh, band and this show here. I'm going to do an alternate Metal Forge patch. So. Oh, cool. Hell yeah. It's all yeah. good stuff. Um, yeah. So I've got one more question. But before I get to that, I want to ask, is there any shout-outs you all want to give to anybody? 
just the people, man. I, I, I end every interview by thanking all of our kind of fans and supporters and, and promoters. And, uh, you know, like we had the same kind of engineer guy. His name's CJ. He does all of our recording. He's super cool. Thanks to all the people who have done artwork or modeled, uh, t-shirts for us or done, you know, designs for merchandise. It's just, it, it doesn't, it's bigger than just, you know, me, Mike, and Chris at the end of the day. Like, in order for Wraith to be successful, there's, Lots of people involved and lots of moving parts and things that have to go right and happen and be cool to work. So, um, you know, without all of the support system and people in place, you know, we, we, we could write the music, but we would be playing it to ourselves in my basement. So just a shout out to all the supporters, whether you're doing something directly for the band or, you know, you're buying stuff or, you know, sending us messages and that stuff keeps us going. I mean, we talk about it all the time. Just the thank you messages we get and people saying certain songs helped or impacted in a certain way. We love it. So just a big shout out to everybody who's ever kind of helped us along the way. Absolutely. Kind of what Matt said, you know, anybody that gives a shit about us. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of, that fuels our fire. Yeah. I'll, I'll leave it with that. I think it was pretty well said. And, you know, our friends, significant others, those, those types of things that support us along the way. Um, yeah. Fuels the fire and keeps us, keeps us rocking. Definitely. Um, now tell everybody how they can get hold of you, where they can find your merch, where they can buy albums when, when they're in stock or the digitals for albums, digital, you know, all that shit. You can go to, uh, www.wraith219.bandcamp.com to reach us. You could go to Facebook or Instagram. Uh, both are at Wraith Rash and, uh, am I missing anything? The email address. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you want to email us, it's just wraithrash at gmail.com. You can send me whatever you want. I'll read it. <laughs> I'll, I'll read it. Send them weird we, also, we always read it. That's yeah. so everybody knows. We always check it. And out. we we always reply to everybody too. I'm not I'm not a dick. Damn. Right on. Uh, That's true. <laughs> thank thank you guys for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And the final question I like to ask is: If heaven or hell exists, what do you want to hear when you arrive where you think you're going? Epidemic by Slayer. As soon as I I, I hit the the flaming gates. <laughs> Damn it! I thought that was gonna be heaven. No. <laughs> oh no! Oh yeah. You spin it out. Spin it however you want. Whatever you're into. Uh, killed by death by Motorhead. Good at man. The at the early gates, yeah. Shit. Mike wants to relive that heaven scene from Happy Gilmore. <laughs> <laughs> With Chubbs and Abe Lincoln and yeah, the alligator. Yeah. Whatever song's playing then, that's what Mike wants to hear. It's Tuesday's Gone. Yeah, Tuesday's <laughs> Gone. Yeah, Skinner, Tuesday's Gone. Tuesday's Gone. Gone. So that, that's Mike's Mark it down. <laughs> yeah, mark it down. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is so awesome. <laughs> Tuesday's <laughs> Gone. <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you so much again for coming on. I really appreciate it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I hope to see you guys live here soon. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to be playing shows indoors again soon. Yeah. Thanks a lot for having us, man. We, we look forward to getting back out there, but until then we're going to keep doing our thing and, you know, trying to come up with cool merch and making music and, uh, just thanks again for the support and appreciate you giving us a platform to talk about dumb stuff for an hour or so. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks a lot, Mark. Thank you. Uh, what song do you want me to play on the way out from you guys? Um, you could do like Speed Kills. Yeah, maybe? I was yeah, say Speed yeah, Kills. Like speed uh, that's our. It's off the Speed Armageddon. Absolutely. Here you go. 
This is Speed Kills by Wraith. Since 1973, Tattoo Charlie's has been an established body modification studio in Kentucky. Featuring world-renowned artists and piercers, currently with locations on Preston Highway and in Lexington. A staple point in the tattoo community. Learn more at TattooCharlie's.com. Set up your appointment today at 7904 Preston Highway. Our tattoos are done while you wait. Hey, are you all in a band? you need merch for shows by now i'm sure you've seen all the metal forge patches that are available along with many more well the printer i use for those is ukr patcher check them out on facebook and etsy they do awesome custom work and for extremely affordable prices for any band budget check them out ukr patcher on facebook and etsy hey everyone do you play tabletop games like DD and pathfinder well hit up eric at imagination studios uh, they do custom printing for all your minis for gameplay. Don't forget, they're a licensed Reaper, Artisan Guild, and more printer and dealer. Hit up ImaginationStudios502.com for more info. That's ImaginationStudios502.com. E-M-A-G-I-N-A-T-I-O-N, Studios502.com. Alan Ash 
Football presents Metal Fest 9, the Jeremy Wade No Cancer Fighting Weekend. 30 bands, two stages, two hellacious days. $15 per night or $25 for the weekend includes fishing and camping. Metal Fest 9, sponsored by Imperial Tattoos, the Bill TV Network, Dark Star TV, and Mike Taylor Sound. Hosted by Metal Forge Radio with special guest Cold Steel Rail, Shovelhead, You're the Gun, Two Pump Jump, Cross Joint, Overload, Juke Joint Revival, Fudge Knuckle, and SWP. Dustin Swagger, Nightshade, Celestial Serpent, Nothing's Wrong, Hidden Solace, Call Me Monster, Devil Be My Judge, Bastard Sons of a Judas Goat, Automalized Berry, E-Flat, Until the Dead Walk, Creature of Exile, Eulogy of Blood, Bradshaw, Metal Fest 9 at the Boondocks Event Center, bringing havoc back to the farm. Friday, July 24th, Saturday, July 25th, in Shepherdsville, Kentucky. For more information, check it out on Facebook, Metal Fest 9, the Jeremy Wayne No Cancer Fighting Weekend. <laughs> 